You're listening to Creative Pass with Contact, the podcast where we step off the beaten track to explore the ups and downs of being a creative. We're your hosts, Lara Chova and Sam Cole. And throughout this journey, people that inspire us will be letting us into their world to share their unique stories and experiences. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Pass. For episode 10, Laura is joined by Frankie Dunn. Working as a music editor at Vice's fashion, music, art and youth culture magazine, ID, Frankie's work has seen her cover topics across the publication's full spectrum. From roundups of the 90s albums you need in your life to life advice from Billie Eilish and topics surrounding mental health and music, her work is diverse and well-rounded to say the least. Together with Laura, Frankie digs deep into her route into journalism, favourite projects and more. Thanks for joining us today, Frankie. My pleasure. I'd love to start with uh, if you could just tell us a bit about what you do. Of course. So I'm music editor at ID. I've been there for nearly eight years now, and I'm basically responsible for all of our music content across the site and the magazine, as well as our festival partnerships and all sorts of other things. Amazing. Yeah, I'd love to start at the very beginning. How did you get into writing and did you have any formal training or anything? I didn't have any formal training. And I can't quite pinpoint the the sort of moment I started writing. I didn't go to university. I didn't really see that as my path in life. I didn't know what I wanted to do at 18. And it wasn't really something my parents had pushed. And so I guess I wanted to see more of the world before I committed to something. So I worked full time in Debenhams for a while assisting the visual merchandiser and like forcing mannequins into clothes for about four months so that I could afford flights to Taiwan. And I taught in a school there for a few months and then came back home, ended up in my mum's house in Lincolnshire, which was kind of a depressing place to be after being in Taiwan for a while. And then I decided I wanted to go to Paris because I did French A-level and So I found a job um, as an au pair and they paid for my Eurostar over there because they didn't have any money left. And yeah, so I was in Paris for a couple of years. Yeah, looking after children, but also I did an internship at the Blogatech, which was, I think they're still going, like a French music blog. They film musicians performing in interesting locations. So there was always an interest in music. I joined a friend's band. That was fun. What did you do in the band? I played keys and some oh, cool. backing vocals. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So there was always an interesting music. Um, and actually, I remember having a conversation with a friend, basically saying I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. And she was like, well, you're a good writer. You like music. Why don't you combine the two? And so I decided that's what I'd sort of go for. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> here we are. Eight years later. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So in your experience for the French music blog, was that all freelance? Was it paid? Was it just for exposure kind of thing? Um, it wasn't paid, but I I loved them and I was very eager to just be involved. I mostly did translations for their blog posts because um, it was all in French and they were trying to target the international market market and so I uh, yeah I was translating from French to English I also did research for them finding like new locations that they could shoot in stuff like that 
Cool. Exciting. And um, how long were you in Paris for? What did you do? I guess you've got like an au pair time limit. <laughs> I was there for two years. Um, I mean, I could have stayed longer. I think the family that I worked for wanted me to stick around. But um, I had decided I sort of had enough and I wanted to move on. So I moved to London. And yeah, that's where I started doing internships at uh, publications. Cool. This is something that loads of people always ask about. How many internships did you have to do before you got your first paid gig? Well, luckily, not that many. I interned at Rewind magazine, which was a music magazine. And the editor at the time was Hattie Collins, who also worked at ID. She was music editor at ID at the time. And so I interned with Rewind. And then I kind of dropped hints for ages that I would really love an internship at ID. And then eventually she kind of hooked me up with an internship at ID. So I jumped over there, did that for a while, loved it, was like convinced that I was going to get a job at the end of it. And then I came to the end of the internship and and that was it. And I was like, oh God, my life's over now. <laughs> but then Rewind hired me as a staff writer. So I jumped back across to there and I worked there for a while, well, a year or so. And then I was made redundant. And then I was like back to working in American Apparel and in a coffee shop and, you know, like another setback. But then eventually Vice bought ID and they were expanding the editorial team and I was working in American Apparel on Curtin Road and Sarah Raphael, who worked at ID at the time, she came in on her lunch break and she was like, what are you doing here, Frankie? We need more staff. And so I had an interview with Holly, Holly Shackleton, who was editor. And yeah, I got a job as staff writer at ID and I've worked my way up from there. Amazing. That's so exciting. So um, what was your first experience like I guess you've gone from writing but you've definitely moved over to interviewing and how was your process for that just advice for people who maybe like kind of shy to do their first interview or anything like that I mean I still get nervous for every interview I do I guess that's something that's never really changed and I don't know if it's the same for everybody I guess there are more confident people for whom it comes more easily but yeah I guess just the more you do it like, I don't know, it gets slightly easier. Yeah. So what's the your favourite interview that you've worked on? My favourite interview has to be with Bjork, both because she is my favourite musician. She's an absolute icon. But also because I sort of made it happen myself. It was during Iceland Airwaves, which is a festival there back in 2015. Bjork, she wasn't performing. She wasn't supposed to be doing any interviews or anything. Um, but she did this very last minute press conference in which she spoke about the Icelandic government's plans to um, build a load of power plants. And she was talking about why that was such a bad thing. Anyway, I sort of asked the festival's PR whether she could hook me up with an interview with Bjork. And she basically said that was really unlikely, but that she'd try. So it came to the end of the uh, press conference and it didn't really look to me like she was trying very hard. And so I more or less snuck into the back room after Bjork, after the press conference and um, asked her assistant, James Mary, whether I could speak to her for ID. And he said yes. And so it resulted in her and I sitting down and having a coffee and just talking. And I was so nervous, but so excited. And yeah, we talked about 
her then forthcoming album, which would have been Utopia, that she worked with Arca on. And uh, yeah, she was like, exactly how you'd expect her to be. She's amazing. That's amazing. That's so exciting. <laughs> and to think it wouldn't have happened unless you had snuck backstage. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes you just got to push it, I guess. <laughs> For sure. That's really cool. How is it when obviously like most of the people you're working with are people's idols and Bjork is one of your favorite musicians Mm. how do you yeah prepare yourself for speaking to someone who has like this whole aura around them how do you stay calm (laughs) I guess I just do a lot of research and really prepare myself for it yeah it's a lot of preparation you know exactly what I'm going to ask or what I want to ask I mean sometimes it's hard to like stick to a script because you have to let the conversation flow but like to have a guideline there is really important and also I know this is weird and disgusting but maybe there's a kid's book about this I don't know I like <laughs> remind myself that everybody poops <laughs> I know that's there so is weird, a book about but, like, that yeah. yeah there we go so like <laughs> I mean I don't know if the book's meant to do that like remind you that everyone's the same but like I think that's helpful to remember like you go into an interview with someone huge and famous and it's like, come on, Frankie, it's fine. Like they just take a shit like everyone else. <laughs> exactly. Everyone is the same at the end of exactly. the day. That's, that That's was really what cool. I meant to say. Yeah, no, I mean that, yeah, it's a good way to think of it for sure. <laughs> so in the past year, obviously we've been in a pandemic, everything live or live music festivals, everything has stopped. I'm assuming that's impacted your work a lot. I guess now you have to focus a lot more on releases and digital things in the music world. Yeah. I mean, I think it's impacted my work day to day in a positive way. I find it way easier to focus at home. I'm able to work from home on my laptop, which is amazing. And it's impacted the music industry. And obviously the live element was huge. And now suddenly that's been taken away. So I imagine that's impacted people's um incomes dramatically and it's changed the way that people get into the industry so there's this huge there's this whole generation of young artists who you know they'd be doing loads of shows and gigging is like a huge part of their introduction to the industry and to fans and you know for building up a fan base and suddenly that's taken away so I guess even major labels are having to think completely differently and I guess it's given independent artists more of a way in and it's maybe it's leveled the playing field in a bit because everyone's in the same boat it's really interesting and like there's there's this huge scene of or underground scene of um like hyper pop and digital artists who are existing solely online and I think they're coming through because that's the only world they've known and they're masters of it and they're yeah just doing what they know and yeah, it's a really interesting time. Definitely. They've really come out on top. Yeah. <laughs> like you're hearing of so many new like hyperpop digital artists at the moment, which is really cool. Yeah, totally. So what's the hardest part of your job? I reckon it's probably switching off because I think when you do something you love, uh, it just so naturally seeps over into your your like normal life and um, it all blends into one and you end up working through the night because you know you're working on projects that really matter to you yeah so it's really hard to find a work-life balance and it's something I'm still 
struggling with, I guess, but I think it's something we all struggle with. Yeah. So trying to switch off at the end of the day. Definitely. Has working from home made that harder or easier? I don't think it's really changed it, to be honest. I mean, it's hard because I'm working at my kitchen table, but I was still coming home from the office and working at home anyway. So yeah, it hasn't really impacted that too much. Yeah, definitely. So we have some quick fire questions that we ask everyone who comes onto the podcast. And the first one is, what would your dream collaboration be and why? It's not with a person as such, but I'd really love to work on show soundtracks. It's something I've not done before. Yeah, I've done some modelling before, as you know. And um, I've often thought, oh, I could I could do this. I could maybe do a better job of selecting the, uh, the music for this. And yeah, I'd love to you know like Benji B is music director for Louis Vuitton I'd love to be that for someone definitely have you done have you done a bit of that already with Marcus Almeida yeah I like I DJed that presentation we did before yeah so DJed for Marcus Almeida I put them in touch with Cosima and she yeah she's one of her songs soundtracked one of the shows we did yeah so in a way but I'd love to do do that more and you know pair collections with artists and things like that Definitely. It's really cool. So what's one piece of advice you'd have for yourself or for other young creatives? This applies to both of those. To trust your own opinions more and to not be afraid to share them. Um, Yeah, I've definitely sat through so many meetings where I've thought something and just being afraid to voice it because I thought, well, I'm not qualified to speak on this really or I don't know if this is the right thing to say. but then someone else will say it and they'll get loads of praise for it. So yeah, just share your thoughts on things and trust, trust your opinion, be decisive. Really good advice. Definitely advice that I needed when I was like starting out as well. (laughs) Yeah. I still need reminding that. Yeah. This day. (laughs) For sure. And the last question is what's one goal you have set for yourself? To make the zine that I've been planning to make for literally years now. I'm the world's biggest procrastinator and uh, yeah, I come up with ideas and then always mean to follow them through, but it never seems to be the time. But um, yeah, I've told myself that I need to create the scene this year. That's cool. Can you let us know what it's about or is it a secret? <laughs> it's a little bit of a secret, but it's music related and I hope to sell it and have all proceeds going to a music mental health charity. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll, keep people updated on my socials cool on instagram (laughs) definitely we'll look out for that well we met in like the fashion world at marcus almeida and clearly you're interested in like collaborating in the fashion world i was wondering how how you jumped between the music and the fashion industry and if that's they're all they're very paired together as industries but how what was your personal experience Mm, well Growing up, I always loved fashion and obviously ID is a fashion magazine, even though my like, expertise don't lie in that world necessarily. I remember when I had my interview for ID, this is kind of embarrassing, but um, Holly Shackleton, the editor then, was asking me, like, well, what websites do you go to? Like, what are your go-to fashion websites? And I was like, oh, Vogue. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I was definitely more like, 
music focus and have always been but um yeah there is a lot of crossover and our editorial team is super small and so while I'm music editor you know I do also write about fashion I write about culture film tv and stuff so yeah it's just yeah as you said the worlds do collide and certainly the topics that we cover do also thank you so much thanks for joining us no of course it's a pleasure pleasure to have been chatting with you if you're looking for new material to read you can find frankie's author page at id.vice.com and keep up to date with new projects via her instagram at frankie underscore underscore done at contact we're building a platform that helps creative talent get more work and makes it easier for those looking for creative talent to find great people to work with our current product caters exclusively to models But over the next year or so, we're expanding out to let anybody who works in the creative industries, such as photographers, directors, makeup artists, and more, to get booked through contact. You can find and book talent and visit our blog backstage online at contact.xyz. To stay up to date with everything happening at contact, follow us on Instagram at contact.xyz and contact.models, and on TikTok at contact.xyz and Twitter at contact underscore xyz. 